I knew that I had to be creative somehow to keep my sanity. I have to honor that part of myself always or else I will lose my mind. I have to take care of my body. I have to go to the gym in the morning and focus my brain on myself. I know I take that time. And because of that and because creatively I'm doing the band stuff and I did my recording, I was a better mom because of that. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey everyone, it's Jennifer Tracy. I'm your host of MILF Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have on the show Elaine Cashin. And when Elaine and I got together, we talked about sex. We talked about uh, the power of what you tell yourself and how to lean into that fear instead of scooting away from it. We talked about Broadway, and it was just an incredible interview. (laughs) Elaine is really inspirational. She is also now currently a life coach and fitness coach. And I just I loved our conversation, and I hope you'll love it too. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Jen. How are you? (laughs) Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Yeah, you are. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for coming all the way from the valley. Oh my gosh. Does anyone do that (laughs) (laughs) without an event planned? (laughs) No. No. But I'm here. But you did it. Mm -hmm. So Elaine, I want to start today with cats. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell us about cats. And we are speaking about the musical cats. Mm -hmm. I was in college at NYU. And I went to an audition for Guys and Dolls. And it was my first audition ever, my first big audition. And I was terrified. But I wanted to see what it was about. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. There were hundreds of dancers. And I was non-union. I had to wait and wait and wait. And I waited till the end. And I got to dance. And I got cut. And I was like, ugh. Hmm. But then I got a call, I don't know, a month later, the casting director called me in for Cats. And I was still in college and I auditioned and I booked it. I got to audition at the Winter Garden Theater, which for, you know, a 21 year old kid wow. was like, oh, you know, I'm on the stage. That's and, incredible. You know, I'm just standing there and it's a raked stage. It's on a big slant. I don't know if, which I've never danced on. Oh, I had God. never How danced on. How do you even do that without tumbling it's off Strange, it. right? But 21, I'm determined. Yeah. I'm here. You know, I've got this opportunity. And so I booked it and I booked the national tour, which I was kind of upset about. I had no clue what it was. I was like, I'm going on tour. I'm not, I'm not on Broadway. I didn't, I failed. Like I failed in my <laughs> you, mind. You didn't realize what no. a it was just to get on a tour. It's the same show. It's, it's the, the yeah. it's out of New York. All the actors are out of New York. It's the same show. It's just touring the country. Sure. So I was kind of upset about it. And I called my mom. I was like, I booked the tour. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was a booby prize. I'm not even out of college yet. <laughs> Wow. It was my first job. And my equity. first and you big got job. your equity card and you got Yes, and they told me how much money I was going to make. And I was convinced that the per diem was part of the salary. 
So I don't remember exactly. It was like $1,100 a week and then another $800 per diem. And I thought the $800 was part of the $1,100. And then when I found out how much money I was going to be making my first job out of college, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And Didn't seem like a booby prize anymore. No, I remember getting my per diem checks and... (laughs) You could cash them at the local bank, like the the touring company set up where you could go to a local bank and ca- I just kept cashing them because I didn't know that I should just send them or send them. I don't know. I had thousands of dollars in cash in my, oh my in my luggage. But oh, what a great experience. Wow. I loved that show. And how long were you on tour with them? I was on tour the first time for a year and three months. And then I had... I think four different contracts with cats, the national tour and the Broadway company, because I was an assistant dance captain. So when I left the first time, they called me back because they were having a big turnover and they needed some help teaching the show. So I went back for six months or something like that and taught the show and performed. And and then I did the Broadway company. I had two contracts with them. I kept, I left. So you did get to do it on Broadway. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. What a dream, especially at such a young age, right out of college. Yeah. And it was, it's a fantastic show for a dancer because most shows are, you know, there's an ensemble and everybody's dressed in the same outfit and they're all doing the same choreography and cats, you, everybody had a character. So my first job with cats, I was a swing. So I was playing six different characters. I had to know six different tracks, six different makeups. And as a swing, if somebody gets injured during the show, you have you have five minutes, ten minutes to get your makeup on. Wow, what a costume! And on. this is makeup. And this is cat's makeup, by the yeah. way. This well, is not just like yeah, <laughs> but you get good at it. You know, it's right, <laughs> right. But um, so it was cool because for my first job, I was playing parts that I wouldn't necessarily be cast in because, like, I played the Siamese cat. She was five foot ten usually and up. She was the tall, hairless Siamese. She was elegant and just you know pranced around on stage and I would never be cast as that, but I got to do that on stage. It was so fun. So it was a great acting exercise for me too, to jump into those different characters. That's so amazing. And so then that ends and then what happens? That and, oh, okay. So while I was doing the Broadway company, I booked um, (laughs) Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, which was my first television thing. I was doing that at the same time as Cats. And that's a kid's show. It was a kid's show. It was a game show. Fun. Totally fun. And again, I got to play lots of crazy, fun characters. But in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a TV star. So I need to move to Los Angeles. (laughs) So I quit Cats. And I quit Cats? I gave my notice. Yeah. And I moved across the country. Now, somewhere in there, you got married. So in 95, I was on tour, 93, 94, came home, got married in 95, was doing the Broadway show. Yeah. And how old were you when you got married? I was a day 24. Baby. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and your husband was also 24? He's a year older. He's a year older. older. Mm-hmm. So you got, yeah. And, and um, you guys did the wedding. I, I mean, I know this because I know Elaine really well. You did the wedding themed. Mm-hmm. It's Halloween. It was Halloween, mm-hmm. and you used the cat's makeup. <laughs> I was Little Red Riding Hood, and I remember going to Eighth Street in Manhattan and buying a pleather white pleather mini dress for my <laughs> wedding. <laughs> 
from a transvestite shop. I love it. The man who helped me was in, you know, these massive platform heels and a skirt. Yeah. And he's this huge man. And he was uh, amazing. And we just laughed the whole time and had so much fun. But my wedding dress cost me 120 bucks. Amazing. (laughs) And um, my mother made this beautiful red satin, red riding hood um, cloak with a train for the Mm. wedding. And um, Matt was in a a tux with tails and a cat's wig. And I did his makeup like the wolf. And he had claws and hairy hands and all that stuff. It was so so cool. cool. And everyone was dressed up. And it it was was in New Jersey? Yeah. At a big old mansion in New Jersey. And then you guys moved to LA shortly after that. Yeah. Okay. So you you give up Broadway. (laughs) You move to LA. And then what happens? Goodness. I thought... I need to find an acting class if I'm going to do this acting thing. I need to find an acting class. I need to get a job. So I was waitressing. I was, I worked, um, I, I started studying at this one acting studio and ended up working there, which was actually brilliant because I learned so much about what I'm doing today from that experience. Yeah, working as a waitress and a, eventually a bartender. I don't drink. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what anything tastes like, but... <laughs> Um, I learned there how to bartend. And so, um, yeah, I was learning acting. And my intention was to to be an actor. And did you, at some point, you, you got more touring gigs? Yeah, so, hello. <laughs> I moved to L.A. and I started booking more stuff in New York <laughs> and on tour. <laughs> I did little acting things here and there, but nothing. It It's funny. I don't know. I don't know what it was about it, but. You know, I had an agent and I almost never went out on an audition. Mm. Almost never. You know, oh, try different pictures. You know, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I almost never auditioned. It was like, okay, something's telling me that I need to keep doing what I do best. Yeah. You know? And I'm going to say this because Elaine won't say it, but we already know she was the dance captain because she just told us. But Elaine has the most powerful, amazing singing voice I've ever heard in my life. It is just, it's exquisite. I mean, it's your range and your strength and it's amazing. I mean, I remember we were a group of us girls were going to karaoke (laughs) and my, (laughs) one of my friends, she was like, Oh, we're going to karaoke in Koreatown. And she goes, "Ah, is Elaine coming? (laughs) (laughs) Because... (laughs) Like whenever we all go to karaoke, if Elaine's coming, we all just all want to sit there and watch her sing. That's <laughs> true. Oh gosh. Can That's I tell true. you, I was terrified to sing in, in front of people for so many really? years. What, I would why? not. Because as a child or like as a no, grown as a grown, as a grown woman. Where does that come from? I was I was under the impression okay, first of all, when I was at NYU, they weren't focused on taking what was unique about you and and making that grow. They wanted to get you to be ready to be in the ensemble of a show so you could work. It was very interesting. So I felt like in hindsight, I mean, while it was happening, I just, I was, they're my instructors and I'm like taking what they say. But in hindsight, they, I really feel like they squashed what was unique about me. Mm. Right. They, I have this Jersey accent, right. They took that away, put me in speech class. Right. Mm. Um, I'm very big when I perform and they had me like with my hands to my side and singing with no, almost no expression. It was very funny. 
But looking back, I really feel like that made me so insecure about who I was. And I was cast as a dancer, dance captain. Like on film and television, you get pegged as a thing. I was a dancer who could sing well. <laughs> Sorry. But pegged is the thing. Pegged. pegged. It's, it's uh, yeah. Well, that's another segment on a different show. Okay. Go oh on. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you, you get categorized. <laughs> Thank you. As a, as a type. How's that, is that better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just learned what pegging was like from my, from my gay boyfriend. Like, oh, a I two don't know what ago. it is. Well, we'll talk about it after the show. Okay. Go on. <laughs> um, so you get categorized, and especially if you're a swing. If you're a good swing on Broadway, swings are hard to find that are good because you have to be able to do I can imagine. My six, gosh. seven yeah. different parts, different parts, different yeah. tracks. You know, have to know where you're going. In a second, if someone goes down, you have to know where you're going. And not everybody can do that. So I was a dancer who could sing well, and it was hard to get seen as anything different in my mind. Uh, so. I thought to myself, oh, I'm not a singer. And it was interesting because I really do believe I lost a lot of jobs that way. I tried really hard to sound like other people because on Broadway there, they do the original cast recording and then they do try and keep it consistent because that's what the expectation is from people coming to see a show. You know, I didn't, I I tried to sound like Eponine. (laughs) Oh my God. And with her nose, she sank her nose. That was the cool <laughs> thing then. And oh, I tried. I really Ebony tried. Was a cat's character? No, in Les Mis. It, oh, Les Mis. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On my own, oh, right. pretend yeah. he's beside me. Oh, uh, I tried. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I really wanted to be good like that, but in my head, I told myself I wasn't a singer, and I was absolutely terrified to sing. And I got to the point where I was. Hmm, in uh, probably 30 and seriously like heart beating so hard my throat would dry out and I could barely like the stuff that I could sing in my house in in freedom I was I would struggle I was terrified absolutely wow. terrified so I started when I was about 30 going to karaoke and having people pick songs for me if I didn't know it I would make it up I would get on stage. You were just I would challenging hear yourself. Hear the music. I would just make it up. Yeah, and it was funny, but it it pulled me out of my fear of being in front of people and singing. And right. now I know who I am as a singer. Like when I'm on stage singing, it's like I don't know if you've found that place where when you're there, you just know it is meant for you, and it feels right. Mm. When I am on stage singing, I got ch- I just got chills. Mm. It just like. My heart is full and I just know myself. Yeah. It's so powerful. And it shows. Feeling. I've had the privilege of, of watching you <sighs> sing live many times and it's, you can feel it. Then the audience can feel it. But hold on. I want to back up because yeah. I want to know, other than going to karaoke and basically from what you're saying, being willing to fall flat on your face in front of a group of strangers, uh-huh. which is so brave and amazing. How did you get from that crippling stage fright basically to where you just described now, where you just feel free and open. And so I think, and this is part of what I work on as a, as a coach. I don't know that I believe in affirmations. I don't know that I believe that you can stand in front of a mirror and go, I'm beautiful. I'm (laughs) smart. I'm a great singer. Yay. 
and go because what you feel is real to you. Yeah. You can't trick yourself. Yeah. But if you can practice taking steps into something that scares you, that makes no sense, doesn't have to be big, huge steps, little bitty steps, and prove to yourself every day that what you think is total bull. Uh-huh. And you can, you can curse on this show. Oh, total bullshit. Yeah. If you can take little steps every day and even with with anything, with dating, with parenting, like, oh, okay, what happens if I don't yell? If I get angry and I don't yell, what happens? Mm. Uh, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Even if it doesn't work, at least you have a different choice. Mm. And when you have different choices, you your thinking changes. You can You can go right or left instead of just with your blinders on doing what you've been doing every day. That isn't working. But how do you teach somebody to do that? And it's about finding where the risk is, where the fear is, and going, okay, I, I need to be willing to take one step into that, toward that, just to prove to myself, one, that I can, that I'm strong enough, and see what happens if it either goes the way I expect or doesn't. It usually won't because our expectations are just based on you know, our past history or our mm. fears ne- and telling us it needs to be a certain way so we're, we don't die. Mm. The constant practice of stepping into something that scares you and proving to yourself that you are able, that builds self-esteem and strength. So you just kept doing that over yes. and over again. And, and, mm-hmm. you, and then you brought that into auditions. Yes. And you eventually booked more and more and more tours. So here's my, my great success as a dancer. Because I always saw myself not as this highly technical, you know, I, I'm not a gifted dancer. Like there are dancers that can turn for days. Like if you think of Baryshnikov doing 13 pirouettes, if your body is not aligned perfectly and you're holding yourself effortlessly, you can't turn like that. Yeah. So it was always work for me to be a great dancer. I was a... a a passionate dancer. I danced with a lot of heart. And if there was something I couldn't get, you, you, you're damn sure I was working on it and figuring it out. So I would be fantastic on stage because I would not be not good on stage. That was a no. <laughs> when I was in LA, I got a call from a casting director that Twyla Tharp, I don't know if you, you know okay. who Twyla Tharp is. Twyla Tharp was looking for a one girl dancer to cover the one girl dancer in the show that she was doing. She already had the cast and she needed a swing. There was one girl in the whole show. And how old were you at this point? 34, I think. I'm guessing I'd have to count Ish, back. But yeah. So just to get a timeline for right. our listeners. So I get <laughs> I get this call and I fly to New York. I go to the Ailey, Alvin Ailey studio. And they're auditioning. And there are two groups of 20, I'm guessing, 20 girls. And I'm in the second group. First group goes, they get, you know, whatever, wherever they go, holding room, whatever. I'm with the second group of girls and we are dancing. And I remember just having so much fun. Ooh, like cool. Not trying to get someone to like me, but it just was so fun. It was athletic, which is totally me. It was daring. There was flipping in it. It was, it was, it was about a circus. It had a circus theme and our group goes and we get released. And I remember taking a moment to myself. I went and sat alone and, and then they called us back. And in the room are all the guys 
and me. She cut every single girl wow. but me. And I'm looking around I'm like, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> she cast me in that moment. She knew. Wow. And it was like, what did that feel like? Oh my God. I, I, you know, in your mind, it's like, wait, did I just get this job? Did yeah. I just get this job? And I just was, I don't know. It was, again, I danced with the guys after that for the call, call back. You know, we called back in and I just had so much fun flipping around and trying stuff. And I'm doing the men's choreography. She didn't need me to. She already knew. But to book that for someone like Twyla, and I'm looking at all these men in the show and they're just, they're ballet dancers and they're trained and they're brilliant. And I'm there with them. Like, oh my God, (laughs) like so excited. Like as a dancer, it was for me, it was the coolest thing ever. Wow. As an auditioner, to be able to go into an audition and just like love the experience and not have an expectation. I don't know if that was because I thought, oh, there's no way I'm going to get this. Or I don't know. I don't remember thinking that. Well, it sounds like just to go back to, I mean, you had been expanding this piece of yourself that was like willing to go into the fear, willing to move past old ideas and old expectations to allow yourself to you know, have that experience where you could be in your bliss and be in that thing. And it's when you were just describing the whole audition process, it sounds like you were just in that bliss of like, this feels good. This is where I'm meant to be, whether you got the job or not. And you ended up getting it, of course, but that's so cool. And then how long did, did you do the show? So <laughs> the rehearsal process went six months, I'm guessing. Wow. And we ran for three weeks. Ugh. It got panned by the New York Times, which was very sad. But, um, and I have my theories about why. I mean, Twyla, Twyla was always about her dancers. And there were three main characters in the show that had an interesting storyline together. It was a father and a son and a, a love interest. She really kept trying to make the dancers part of the the main story. And they they weren't meant to be that. And I think it just got off the track a little bit. And mm. it was very dark. Mm which I loved. Mm. And she's brilliant. Mm. Like part of it, I think was, I don't know if you've ever been around people who are just geniuses in their craft. Mm. What they see is so beyond what normal people see. Mm. They don't even realize that they've exceeded our, our normal people thinking. Right. It was almost too big for the ideas Mm. for a regular audience to pick up. And it was dark, which is hard to sell in general. Yeah. It made me sad, but, you know, I got the experience and that was cool. So you come back to L.A. having mm-hmm. had this incredible experience. And then what? Vegas was interesting because I um, went to the audition and it was funny because I felt like I had a bad audition and I really wanted it. And I called them and I said, can I audition for you again? I ended up booking it, but it was very funny. Like, did you have to go audition again? I didn't have to. Oh, but I mean, but did, I they, went. did they let you audition again? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. Like all these rules that I that I think I probably should have followed, I didn't. <laughs> like, why would I call and say, "Can I audition for you again?" I felt like I didn't audition well, but mm-hmm. I did that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I guess it's good. I wasn't scared to do that. Yeah. Just ask. I yeah. guess they could say no. Yeah. Vegas was fun because that's when I started doing band stuff. Yes. So let's talk about that. So this is the first, was it the first time you'd really been the lead singer in a a band, in your own band? In high school, I did. 
besides but, high school. So since high school, and this yeah. is cut to now you're in your 30s, mid-30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I had started maybe 30, this freedom of singing, which yes. is cool. And so I get to Vegas and I'm in this rock show with m- musicians from Meatloaf, from Queen, like the real ones. Wow. And here is Roger Taylor and Brian May from Queen working with people. You know, here we are. And what an experience that was. And there was a band that one of the girls in the show were she was friends with them and their lead singer. They had a gig and she bailed on them. And so I went a cover band cover band. Yeah. I brought lyrics and I stood on stage and performed an entire show with this band. With no rehearsal. No rehearsal. <laughs> Covers. I had never really met Only any of Elaine them. Only Elaine could do this. <laughs> Only Elaine. I mean, that's just, yeah. And then after that, we had a band. I was it. I was the singer. And we would perform, oh my gosh. <laughs> we would do two, three shows on the weekend, four hours a show. It was crazy. I came to see We Will Rock You. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about me right now. Mm-hmm. And then I came to see you that night. I think I saw it was anyway. My point is you were doing how many shows a week? Eight shows a week? No, I swung that show. Oh, you but swung. But I still. covered 13 tracks okay, in that show. Excuse me. I mean, hello. <laughs> you were doing so I was on a lot at 35. I'm guessing you were probably around mm-hmm. 34, 35. Okay. I mean, just to give you, you know, I mean, Elaine has an incredible amount of energy <laughs> for any normal person. Just, and then you would go do this, these four hour shows and sing your heart out. It was just unreal. And it was so inspiring to watch you just really be in your bliss. Thank you. So fun. So cool. Totally fun. Yeah. So then tell me how you, because at that point you didn't have your kids yet. Mm-mm. Vegas ends, you come home. Like that was kind of right around the time. After that, when you started thinking you wanted to have a child, did you always want to be a mom? Were you not? Okay. You Absolutely sure. not. I did not want to be a mom at all. I was good with my dogs. I was a dancer. I had a career. I liked how my body looked, which was a feat for me because I came from eating disorder, mm. you know, from 12 to 22. Mm. Uh, that I was comfortable in who I was, my body physically was like victory beyond measure for me. And the thought, it scared me a little bit, you know, being pregnant, like what would happen to my body? Sure. What would happen to me? Sure. You know, I had this, here I am, this like rocker girl doing shows, dancing. And in my mind, mom meant I'm wearing jeans up to my boobs <laughs> and I'm driving a minivan. There was, th- there was no. You didn't have a MILF vision. No. Yeah. I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm, my life is bugging over. <laughs> so what changed your mind? I guess having, having a baby. I changed my mind. You mean like what changed my mind about me? No, you mean what made me choose to have a kid? Did you get pregnant on purpose? Yeah. Okay. So So you did have a choice is what I'm getting. Yeah. So uh, 35, uh, you know, we were talking about it and I realized that in looking back at my career as a dancer, I had done everything I really needed to do to feel like I had done it, you know? I thought, okay, if I'm going to have kids, I need to have them now because I don't want to be in my 40s having kids. Mm. So thirty at 36, I had Lincoln. Yeah. And what was that like? Well, I hated being pregnant. Mm. I just, mm. I hated it so much. I felt fat and slow. 
Like, you know me, I like to zip around. I don't sit still for five seconds. Um, And I felt like I was hindered by this extra weight. (laughs) And I couldn't do the things that I'm used to doing. And it just, uh, I remember I was at the gym. I worked out all the time. Still, not quite as hard as with my second because I got a little braver. But um, I remember some lady in the locker room saying to me, being pregnant was the most beautiful time of my whole life. And I thought, that's fucking awful. (laughs) You poor thing. What is wrong with you? Oh, my God. That's terrible. (laughs) Because that was not your experience. Oh, my God. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Couldn't understand it. Interesting. So, yeah, being pregnant was... (laughs) But happily, I did not have body issues again. I I really understood... This is temporary. This is a, a path to something bigger. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Yeah. Um, and I was okay with it. And then how was it? So your son's born. You are a mom. You're not wearing, you're not wearing jeans up to your No, boobs. I'm still me. You're still you. But you now have this human being that you are in charge of 24-7. Mm-hmm. How was that? What did, what did that change? Well, thankfully, my husband is a teacher. So he had off for the summer. We, I don't know how this happened, but June 3rd had the baby and he's off of work and I had C-section. So that was difficult because I couldn't pick him up and, you know, it couldn't work out, which I need, you know, for Mm. my sanity, my brain. In one way, it felt like I have a, I have a mission and something very important that I'm taking on and I'm really good at jumping into a focus, a new focus like that. And, and then on the other hand, it was scary because it's like, okay, who am I now? Mm. Uh, and then the, almost the death of like singer dancer, cause mm. I can't just jump on a plane and go to New York and do a Broadway show anymore. Yeah. It's like, Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Now what? Now who am I? It was, um, not an easy transition, but and still, you know, today it's like, oh, I have this itch. Like I, I saw Pink in concert. She's a mom. Unbelievable. Yeah. She's unbelievable. Yeah. And I cried because I thought, wow, how cool would that be to still be on stage and touring all over the place and making people feel stuff, you know, like that. And I can't do that anymore. So that's difficult. But now I know that I get to create it here somehow. In different ways, you know, yeah. be, be that inspiration for people another way. Yeah. So you, you had this child and then you decided to have another one. Yep. And what, what was behind <laughs> that decision? So I, I knew I wanted to, okay. and, um, I was back in shape and I knew if I didn't do it, then I would never do it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Meaning um, my body feels good. I'm, I'm where I want to be right now. Like I was back in shape after having uh-huh. my first kid. If I let that get comfortable, I wouldn't want to be pregnant again. Ah, uh, I see. You knew there I didn't was want to like go a, through it again. Window of time. Yeah. yeah. So got to do it now. So I guess a year and you know, whatever, what is it? Three, three months. months. Yeah. I have, I get pregnant again. Yeah. So now let's, let's cut forward to, you have a baby and a toddler. <laughs> 
We yay! Isn't this fun? And you're able to work out a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. You're able to work out, which you love. Yeah. What else? What else does your life look like at that point? Okay, so I would take the newborn who was not yet three months. At three months, you could take the baby to the gym and put them in the kids club, which yeah. I now call kid. Um, gym jail (laughs) because they're old enough that it's like, Oh God, there are babies here. This is so boring. But um, I take them to gym jail, 10 and eight now. now. So I would let the older one play in gym jail (laughs) and I would sit out in the lobby with the newborn on the chair and talk to all my gym friends. So you were actually working out. No, I couldn't yet. But wow. I just needed to be there. Yeah. I needed to feel yeah. my safe space, the gym, where I take care of my body and my sure. brain gets focused. Because at home, it's just isolating. Isolating. And there's so much to do. There's laundry. There's dishes. There's like, I and I don't sit still. Right. So if I'm in my house, I am cleaning something, fixing something, doing something. Right. So I had to get out of my house yeah. to actually see other people. First of all, well, right. There's you know, no it's one to very talk isolating. To. Yeah. yeah. So I need some adult conversation. So then <laughs> they get a little older. They start going to preschool. Yay. You get to start doing, you start singing in a band again. Mm-hmm. I knew that I had to be creative somehow to keep my sanity. I have to honor that part of myself always, or else I will lose my mind. And it, it has to be, I have to take care of my body. I have to go to the gym in the morning and focus my brain on myself. I know I take that time. And because of that, and because creatively I'm doing the band stuff and I did my recording, I was a better mom because of that. Mm. And when, why is that? Because it's who I am in my soul. And if I was denying that, I would be angry mm. and resentful. You know, I knew enough to take care of that part because it wasn't their fault that I wasn't doing it and my kids' fault and Matt's fault, my husband's fault, that I wasn't, you know, doing those things. But I knew enough to take care of that part. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. And now you, it feels like you do have that balance. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think I've learned to quickly write myself. Like if I feel like something is out of whack, I don't sit with that too long. I go, Oh, that, that's doesn't feel right to me. And then in a second, I'm like, okay, what can I do? What, what do I have to do to, to bring that into balance again? And so now you are a single mom, newly single mom. Yes. Yeah. What's that like? It's a mixed bag. I think Matt and I were together for 26 years. Mm -hmm. 22 married and we met when we were very young and I feel like we grew up together. We were kids when we got married, really. I mean, 24, 25. And I just feel like we grew apart and it's okay. You know, I went through the struggle of like, we have to make this work because you don't get divorced. You know, my parents met when they were five years old in kindergarten class. Oh my gosh. And they have this really unique relationship. 
my father looks at my mom and he cries. I love your mother so much. Mm. You know, my yeah. mom. Oh, your daddy she kisses him. Yeah. It's like, oh, gross. <laughs> get a room you know but it's, it's so adorable great. it's amazing it's but rare. it's very rare yeah mm-hmm. it's very rare. rare but seeing that i thought that's possible and he should be able to have that and so should i mm. and it's painful sometimes to think that oh the man that i thought that i would be old with is not but it's okay you know it's okay and i'm finding um, a new freedom for myself, mm. not through other people looking for a relationship or something, but for me personally, yeah. like I haven't felt this need to jump into something else. Cause I don't need to be validated by someone else to know myself. I get it. I've been through it. I've done the work. I like who I am mistakes and all. I love it. Messy. Don't care. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And it's a really powerful place to be in, to be a woman, especially today. There's so yeah. many, there's so many things bubbling up today about women's power and, and strength and standing for who you are. And it's so cool to feel like I'm doing that and saying what I want and need in the moment and not being all concerned about not that I'm rude. <laughs> no, I'm not rude. But just knowing who I am and not second guessing myself, which I used to do like, oh, God, if I say that, then they'll be yeah. upset. And You're not I worried about what other people are thinking. No, yeah. because my intentions are clear. Yes. Yeah. I'm not a bad person, a mean person. My intentions are never to hurt anyone. So I get to speak who I am yeah. and just let it live there and know that if somebody feels weird about something I said, they can say it. They yeah. can tell me. Yeah. You know, and that's their responsibility yeah. as a human being. If they carry that around for six months, that's what an amazing example for your sons. Oh yeah, what an amazing example for them to mo- to model for them to be able to get in touch with their own truths and to model as that's what a woman is because that's mm. what they're growing up seeing a woman is. I feel it, it's that's my responsibility now, and you ass. know this, yeah. right? To teach our boys yeah. to respect women. Yes. And I'm going to teach by example. Yeah. I'm going to lead by example. And they're going to see someone who takes charge of their life and stands for them as well. If yes. you're acting in integrity and somebody says you did something wrong and you're telling me you did not, I'm going to stand for you. Yes. You know, like that. What are the messages I'm sending to my boys? That's yeah. important to me. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about this dirty couch coaching business. Ah! Okay. So um, the acting studio that I studied with when I first started taking acting classes, she was also a life coach. And it was my first experience with life coaching. You know, what the heck is that? It's really kind of just like acting. It's looking at human behavior and pulling it apart and going, okay, what's the seed at the bottom of that? What is causing all this other crap to happen? And of course, in acting, you want the the most conflict because on screen that that's what people want to see. They sure. want to see the it's an exciting the back and story, forth. right? Right. But in life, you want to find that seed and go, okay, what is that causing? What is that branching out to cause in my life? And are those things things I want to keep? If not, how do I work on that little bit? that seed that grew all that junk and start actually really looking at myself and causing new stuff to happen. 
So I used to do that. I learned that through her. And I started a company with a, a partner called Perceptions. And we had classes and and then I booked a show. And so I told, <laughs> I sold my half to her, went on tour. But now fast forward like 18 years. Now life coaching has taken on a, a whole new it's a whole, whole, whole new world, <laughs> a new fantastic point of view. No one can, t- should I go on? Okay. Um, I'm not going to stop a, you. It's a whole new world. <laughs> so now that coaching is really mainstream and you have really famous coaches that, that are motivational speakers like Anthony Robbins yeah. and Marianne Williamson and people who do this because it really does help. Yeah. There was this stigma about going to therapy, and there still is a stigma of going to therapy. Yeah. But which stinks because I think it's good for everybody having someone else to speak to. You know, I think there are people who believe that if they don't have something that's really, really wrong, there's nobody to talk to. And that's what a coach can do. There's nothing wrong with you, you're just stuck in something. Yeah. So now, fast forward 18 years, there are certifications and there's called the ICF, International Coaching Federation, and they have specific ethics guidelines for coaches. If you're certified by them, there are big companies who hire um, people to come and work with their employees because they recognize that it helps their entire company work better if people know how to deal with each other better, you know, healthier. Yeah. So I'm working on my certification now. I have 30 hours. I have to do 30 more. Um, And I'm getting certified as a fitness um, coach too, a fitness trainer. So I'm going to work a couple of those together and start helping people with their body and their negative thinking that stops them from taking care of this amazing, Mm. amazing thing they've been given, their body. You get one, you get one shot. Yeah. And we don't take care of it well. Yeah. Well, you certainly do. And I'm, I'm excited for this new endeavor for you and how many people you're going to help with it. I mean, if there's anybody that can show someone how to claim and dive into their authentic self, it's you, Elaine. Aww, so nice. I'm so proud of you. I think that's amazing. It's fun. It's and amazing. as you can see, it, it excites me. Yeah. It's so you're cool. very passionate about it. Yeah. So it's that time of the show where uh, I'm going to ask Elaine the three questions that I ask every guest, and then we're <laughs> going to dive into a lightning round of questions. Mm. We're both saying, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we just took a sip of water. Do I need to stretch? Yep, you okay. do. Stretch it out. I'm going to stretch too. <sighs> okay. <sighs> okay. So, uh, number one, what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? <laughs> you know what I think about. Say it. You got to say it and expand on it. Mom, I'd like to fuck. Great. And what hot does that mean? mom that knows who she is. By hot, that doesn't necessarily mean you're the prettiest girl in the room. It just means you know who you are. You're centered in yourself. You got your shit together. Um, you're just doing life and enjoying it yeah. and looking around and appreciating all you've got and created. That's what comes to mind. <laughs> awesome. Number two, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? I can do whatever I want. It's very interesting. Like, even though I'm not with my husband anymore, there's this like good girl, bad girl thing that goes on in my mind. And it it's just recently that I'm going, wait a minute, I can do that if I want to. Mm. I'm a grown ass woman. Do what? Have sex? Anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like if I want to, I could... Um, go on what? What is it called? What's the site where they Tinder? Bumble. Oh, I could go on Tinder if I wanted to, 
and um, having be having sex with somebody tonight. In five minutes. If I wanted to, I could. <laughs> yeah, of That's not something that I'm into. Right. But I could. Yeah. Like I have that choice. I have that freedom where I feel like I came from sex is bad. Mm. Sex is wrong. Being sexy is bad and wrong. Interesting that I'm having this rethinking and and not that I'm like out there acting on it because I'm I'm not. It's not something I'm I want necessarily, but I can choose that if I want. Mm. It's very powerful to feel like that for me. Sure. Having that freedom. Yeah. And just to touch on like coming from that place of sex is bad and wrong and being sexy is wrong. Why why do you think that you thought that or that women in general have been, you know, is it a fear? Is it a keeping safe? I think it came from my mom. Mm. And I'm sad to say it, but because I saw my mother as a sexy woman, mm. like when she was, you know, she would wear these candies, heels and this, <laughs> her little top and jeans. And she was pretty, you know, mm. had this curly, flowy hair. And I don't know. Isn't that interesting? I need mm. to think about that a yeah. little bit where it came from. Like they never spoke to me about sex. Yeah. It was something you didn't talk about. But I was having it. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was 15. I was 15. Yeah. And having sex. You were 15 having sex and feeling like it was wrong. Yeah. yeah. And feeling like it was shameful or Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. And I think it for me, I'll speak for myself, a lot of it came from my upbringing and my family. But a lot of it came from just pop culture and watching and seeing what sexy looked like on TV mm -hmm. or in the movies and going, well, I'm not that. Or if I'm that, it's really dangerous because then men are going to want to have sex with me. Right. That's bad. Right. It's just, it's like a whole cycle of this. And so it's safer to fantasize about being Cinderella, you know, or Snow White. I mean, that we could go on a whole yeah, segment yeah, yeah. about that. But, My goodness. Um, so anyway, okay, that's a great answer. Mm. Last of the three is how do you define, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but how <laughs> do you define success? Oh, how do you define success? It's so personal. Um, no, how do you, Elaine, how do I define success? Oh, for me. Yeah, for you. Success for me is all the places where in my mind I'm saying no and I cannot and I do it anyway. That's success for me because the, uh, those think those thoughts don't go away. They come up. And what, what I do with those is what will dictate the rest of my life. As far as the coaching, the, you know, whatever, all the things that I'm thinking I want to do, where am I telling myself? No, you can't do that. You don't have enough training. You don't, wh who's going to listen to you? All that negativity mm. that goes on in my mind. Success for me is when I go, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> shut the fuck up, me. <laughs> you know, shut up. Who said that? Like, who said that? Yeah. Who? Oh, me. Oh, <laughs> I'm doing this to myself. How stupid is that? <laughs> but it's so easy to do that. We actually think our thoughts are true. Like, we have to follow them. Well, that's not giving me the life I want. Yeah. So success for me is taking steps into that. I love it. All right. We're going to go into our lightning round okay. questions. Now I'm really going to stretch. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> You're making me nervous. Okay. Go to the movies or go to a play? A play. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Nighttime. 
Texting or talking? Talking. Whole Foods or Trader Joe's? Trader Joe's. Cat person or dog person? Dog person. Sports game or board game? Sports game. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at making lasagna? Uh, nine. <laughs> if you could push a button and have perfect skin for the rest of your life, but it would also give you incurable halitosis for the rest of your life, would you push it? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Superpower choice. Ability to hear people's thoughts or the ability to fly. Fly. I already hear people's thoughts. Mm. <laughs> 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 right, I'm right there with you. Uh -huh. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is <laughs> or... We got to keep it fun here on the MILF podcast. We got to keep it fun. Just the visual is killing me. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is mm -hmm. or a third eye? Now, let me clarify because as I was writing this out, I thought, you know, this is, there's some clarification about the penis. The uh -huh. third eye is pretty obvious, but the penis is a fully working penis that can become erect. Mm -hmm. I'd have that. Yeah. I'd be a sensation on porn. You'd be a sensation everywhere. Right? Well, I'm, what are you walking around with no pants on? Who sees that? I don't know. You'd have to cut a hole. You'd have to do something. <laughs> in the back of no, your you shorts. You don't urinate from there. You still urinate. Oh, from thank your, goodness. Your there, but, okay. <laughs> Just so we're anatomically we're clear. clear. <laughs> what was the name of your first pet? Austin. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Petunia Drive in Jersey. <laughs> so your, your pole dancer name, as I like to call it, is... Okay. Austin Petunia Drive. <laughs> Austin Petunia, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Elaine, if people want to get a hold of you, can they go to your website, dirtyasscouch.com? Yes, they can, Jen. And can they also find you on Instagram at Elaine Cashin? Yes, they can. Should I spell it? You should. A-L-A-I-N-E-K-A-S-H-I-A-N. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you, Jen. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Head on over to milfpodcast.com. Give us your email so we can keep you apprised of all things milfy. And also, you can get show notes, transcripts of each show, and tweetable quotes if something resonated with you and you want to tweet it. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.